Welcome everybody back to another fun edition of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. Just a quick reminder, if you're listening, give us a couple of likes or stars or whatever it is on your platform. We've been starting to look at the data that's looking mighty good. Gentlemen, I have today, I met recently in Vegas at the one and only Universal Whiskey uh, event from by Mahesh Patel. And he has a spirit company locally that distributes one of my favorite old school independent bottlers, Samaroli. Well, without further ado, Chris Bittner, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Talk to me about the journey with Samaroli. Like that's pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I <laughs> I came into it in a very sort of funny and peculiar way and very much out of my element and doing my beginnings with them for sure. But basically I, I I basically met Antonio Blevins, the you know the master of MC of the company. I met him in New York City, and I want to say this is like summer 2017. Uh, oh wow! Okay, I didn't know it went that far back. All right. <laughs> yeah, so I, didn't, I mean, I don't know. COVID has sort of warped my sense of time, so it's either 2017 yeah. or 2018. <laughs> but I was managing a bar in Midtown, and you know he, he came in basically with the, the company that he was then working with to do a tasting. So I sat down with him and the rep and my then boss and tasted Sam Rowley for the first time, which I had only vaguely, I, I, I knew about it from the like weird drunken conversation at a bar where it was on a shelf in some weird haunt. Uh, and so I just knew it in name only and didn't really have any greater familiarity with it. But, you know, so I sat down and, uh, I'm, and I'm tasting through this stuff, and I mean, I was very immediately sort of blown away by it. And, um, I think, so, you know, visibly. So, uh, at the end of the, the tasting, Antonio was kind enough to give me the end of the, one of these bottles, which I felt, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Thank you. <laughs> at the I forget what it was. You know, sort of pleasantries and all the rest, and saying goodbye. And then he he said to me. After giving me this bottle, he's like, please, I'll leave it tomorrow. I come for dinner. Thought he was just being like, you know, charming or whatever. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm like, come on by. <laughs> like, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I'll be here. Didn't, didn't necessarily believe him. But, you know, I was out fine. It wasn't particularly, a, a, you know, a, a significant in the market. So I thought, okay, this guy's being very sweet. But lo and behold, the next day I was, I was in doing some menial bullshit like inventory or something and so i was outside so i get a sig and i and like you know lo and behold i look up and i see this i see this guy coming across the street he's got this like you know very classic little italian look with his little light jacket and button down and he's got his massive uh massive sauce stain like right in the middle of it he comes up to me chris i had a very good lunch and then I was like, this guy is fucking great. So <laughs> he, he came in and then proceeded to have dinner and like, you know, we just got to kick it for a while. And thankfully it was a slow night. So I got to just shoot the shit with him, yada, yada. And yeah, just like became very, you know, became very friendly talking about a bunch of, bunch of this, that, and the other. We found out, as opposed to the course of that conversation, that his then wife to be 
was from the same part of Ukraine where like my grandmother's from originally. So yeah, so just yeah, fun kabuki. Okay, so, 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 so yeah. meet the guy. You guys have a, a little call. Like, how does this become a business? Especially like Samaroli whiskey. I mean, I thought like you went and picked up you know corner the corner store whiskey. That's legit. No, I mean Gavin, Gavin, I got. I, I haven't even gotten to Italy. There's all of the chapters. <laughs> uh, yeah, forgive me. It is it is a long winded story. I'll try and speed it up uh, for the sake of time here. But basically, we became very friendly, and, and then I was actually going to Italy with my girlfriend that fall. Right, like we both were working in food service, and we were like in January. We we're like, all right, let's just like thung it out, save some money, and we'll go in October because I'd been to Italy in the fall a couple of years previously and i was like it's fucking sick let's go there then we'll save up money yada yada so anyway i'm telling this to antonio at the time but i'm like hey like I'll, you know i'll be i'll be in italy in uh, in october like any recommendations like i'm coming through rome he was like blah 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 pleasantries pleasantries but basically at the end of his stay at that bar i decided to buy his, you know i bought his dinner and he was like over the moon about this and it was very very like He's he, like, after I, I gave him a little receipt that said zero dollars, Reese, you can come outside. And then I go outside and he, he like, thanks me profusely. And he's like telling me it's the first time that he, you know, he's worked in the U.S. for like, I don't know, eight years now. And no one's ever bought him anything. So he was very, like, taken aback from the gesture. And I was, yeah, happy, happy to do it, of course. So then, then at that point, he was very insistent on knowing when I was coming to Italy. And then he was like, okay, when you come to Italy, like don't don't get a hotel you stay with me whoa uh yeah, so, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but like but i'm telling you it was like it was great it didn't feel crazy you know but of course <laughs> as as you as you have as you have pointed out correctly i don't really know this guy so like when i, when I hit this mic he's like <laughs> he's like what wait hey babe we're gonna go stay at a stranger's house that i met at the restaurant yeah, yeah, and he's just like, he's like, what are you fucking sick? Like, at that point, she'd really have it with, like, me, like, in my, you know, random encounters and bars and all that. So, but, but, but I told her, I was like, no, no, I got a feeling. This, this will be fine. This will be fine. So, I think, you know, fast forward, we're in Italy, nice vacation, and then it's, like, a day before, it's a day before I'm supposed to go to Rome. And so, I'm like, all right, let me check in with this guy, text him, I don't hear anything back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that. I feel like I haven't booked the hotel. Like I haven't done shit. Yeah, yeah, but it'd kill me. But at that, yeah, but at that point, like you know, we're so like in the throes of beautiful vacation mode. Like I don't want to, I want to ruin anything. So I'm like, all right, let, let me just hold this down and just keep quiet on this. And then um, next morning, I'm like texting again, like, hey man, like, and what the get on the rut? Yeah, and so he, and so he gets back to me finally, like when I'm driving down on A1. And he's like, he just sends me an address. And he's like, he's like, go to this address, uh, call this phone number and ask for this man. And I was like, fuck, this is like some weird mafia shit. Like, I really fucked up. Like, and, and just, you know, tremendous regret. But I, I got to keep fucking stone in the face for, for Bonnie's sake. Hey, yeah, man. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, he ends up putting us in a hotel, like massive homie move. Like, it was right around the corner from his uh, family's restaurant. We ended up going there, having this fucking beautiful feast, blah, 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 like too much food. I felt like I was going to die. And yeah, so it was just all this like nice stuff. We ended up going to see like a, like a soccer game at AS Roma. Um, and then it was like the day before I was leaving, this whole funny sort of encounter. And then I was like in my hotel room 
and I was saying to my girlfriend, I was like, I really think like, I don't, I don't know, but like, I gotta go see if, this, if I can like keep this going. This guy's great. Like, I want to see if there's, you know, maybe I can work for him. I don't know. So I go. Eventually, she encourages me to go, you know, make my pitch, and so I do that at a family's restaurant. And he basically is like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Like, really small company, don't have anything for you, and that's that. So I was like, all right, whatever. I shot my shot. And fast forward. uh a few months after that, I think it's January of the following year, um, and I had just like kind of had it with work, and I was—I I think I quit maybe like a week prior or something like that. And then I get a—I get a text from him out of nowhere, and he's, and he's saying like, you know, can you can you Skype tomorrow or something? And I'm like, all right, yeah, this guy's like a little wackadoo, but sure, I got the time. So then he, yeah, basically he told me, you know, his his then wife to be was pregnant, is you know their first their first son. You know, so big fucking deal by Italian cultural standards, and um, and so he was like, you know, do you basically can you work for me in the U.S.? Can you help me in the U.S.? And I was like, yeah, like definitely. He's like, okay, great, you come to Rome next week. So then, <laughs> so that was that. And so, so just tell me something. Like when you're with him, in the first time, are you guys drinking any of the Savaroli product products, or are you just like enjoying what? Like you still haven't got you know, and this like you had this little tidbit at your restaurant. That, hey, this is pretty cool. He gave you a bottle, but like you, are you there at that point yet? Re- like, is it dawning or like the education hasn't come yet when you're like, oh, shit. no, no, zero, zero, edu- zero education, zero education. Yeah. At that point, at that point, I tasted Sam Rowley on two occasions. First time that, like, the very first interaction when I had met him, when it was sort of quasi, you know, professional context, having a taste. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so I tasted I don't know six or seven bottles, something like that. And the second time I had it was probably after dinner in uh, when I was in Rome at his family's restaurant. Then I had something, and that that was it. So when when he was like, "All right, you come to Rome next week," like I'm so like obviously I'm elated. This is like a really fun kind of uh, progression of things. It's a cool story, whatever. But like, yeah, I think it dawned on me not on the flight there, but on the flight back. That I was like very, very <laughs> fucking out of my element, <laughs> and so I just, you know, I, I, I it's like at that point I'm such a like little broke piece of shit. Like I would never do something like buy Wi-Fi on the plane, but I just like all this anxiety came over me. I was like, I just need to research ferociously everything that I can about like not just Sam really, but like Scotch. Sam really within the within the world of Scotch and you know wow. independent bottling is is the you know is the sort of niche the nichiest realm of the, the, the Scotch the, world couturier of fashion like you know with the right yeah, end a lot letting, yeah precisely and like and not just any independent bottle like Sam Rule no it's it's like yeah. you know crash course in Italy for three days like beautiful but like. I don't know that I really learned much of substance. So yeah, came, came, came back and it was like real fucking trial by fire. And I was uh, thoroughly out of my element. I had mostly, you know, I, I came back, I think I had about 12 hours or so, like basically an overnight uh, coming back yeah. from Rome. And then next day I like went on, you know, roadshow style, like went to, went out to Chicago, went to Minneapolis. Uh, I was up in Wisconsin, like, you know, basically the Midwest came back. Yeah. Went to DC, New York. Yeah. It was crazy. And I, and beyond the like not knowing or beyond the not knowing enough about, I would argue, Scotch whiskey broadly, same really in the world of independent bottling more specifically. 
you know, I also never, I never worked. I'd done any sort of, you know, formal sales in that sense, specifically that not, not nothing in the way of like brand representation. So that to, it was so, all so, very, very fucking new. So to give the listeners an idea, what's the, uh, what's, the, what's the elevator pitch for Samaroli when you go into a restaurant, bar, nightclub, whatever, like what's like, how do you describe to somebody just the absolute amazingness legend of Samaroli? Cause like I was introduced to it by good friend and you saw my enthusiasm when I saw you in Vegas. Like it's legendary independent bottling. And like, how do you, for, for, you know, like how is that, you know, I think, I think a lot of my listeners are scotch and bourbon, but generally brand. And a lot of people I talk to who are true, uh, whiskey lovers understand and respect the power of independent bottling it's been around for a long time i mean most people back in the day actually didn't want the scotch it was being produced at most of the distilleries that didn't fit so the independent mm-hmm. models would just go grab them what do you think was what samaroli's like what's their shtick like what what makes it so legendary other than amazing whiskey that i know but what's your like what's your side of that uh this is a very this is a very loaded question <laughs> Well, no, I mean, when you like you walk you walk on premise, and you know you you know you're fortunate you're in New York, so there's some education there. But when you roll up to Wisconsin to go and 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 try to get some action on Samaroli, like you know, like I, I don't even know how like on your three days in Rome, like even the education there as you know whatever that was, like how do you <laughs> how do you vocalize the amazingness of what you have? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's difficult, and I, and I'm in retrospect, I suppose I'm somewhat grateful that I was ignorant about it within you know it's within like the the various little complicated world of Scotch whiskey. I, I was like because mm-hmm. I was ignorant to that, and I just had a very visceral and sort of emotional experience with with their spirits, and like they, they were getting me like over the moon excited just from at a sort of an experiential level like that that i think helped propel me beyond what was my own ignorance but but principally the thing that i found to be of the greatest interest to me and and i identified kind of early on would be probably the greatest hurdle were i to explain what sam really is to someone that does not know it at all you know, it, it was. It became a process of sort of explaining the history of why you have Italians bottling Scotch to begin with, which is all sort of post post World War II cultural change, economic change, like all these things that lead. Finally, thanks to my anxiety, yeah. I found that to be a really fascinating story. So I, I kind of just leaned into that, and that carried me basically until like my last tasting in DC where I was with like some real dusty old school whiskey heads who like were not having that shit. <laughs> uh, then I could then, yeah, then I got checked and then I, and then I basically was like, all right, you know, I go back to the drawing board and time to learn about everything that I can from it. Just more as a, at a categorical level. And why, and, and just, you know, why was it Italians bottling whiskey and Samaroli such a big deal back then? Well done, Gab. You found a way to get me to the elevator. Bravo. How good is it? Well, is it? Yeah, it shows. It's all basically because, you know, whiskey is not really any type of 
it's obviously not a staple in Italy at all at that point. It's not really no. part of the culture in any meaningful way. And so consequently, you don't have any, you know, you don't really have Scott whiskey distribution channels coming into that country in any significant capacity. But in, you know, in the aftermath of World War II, you know, you have the, the Brits and the Americans are sort of lauded for, you know, they won the war and these guys drink whiskey. And so like whiskey is perceived as a generally positive thing and very, you know, and consequently it became very chic. And so it was very common at that point. And, uh, you know, after a sort of Marshall plan rebuilding of Europe and like, people have a little, people have a little cash to, to spend, like whiskey becomes this, this cultural indulgence at the time. And because there were no pre-established distribution channels bringing Scotch whiskey into the country, it took, you know, the likes of Italian entrepreneurs to go and seek it out for themselves. In terms of what was available to them uh, in Scotland, you know, it's it was largely single malts that domestic, you know, domestically were obviously very significant uh, in the UK at a, at a cultural level. But because the UK was comparatively hurting at a uh, economically, the the value of Scotch was probably quite low. So and and beyond that, you know, you had people who were sitting on stocks that they were quite eager to get rid of, and you know, people are running. People are running businesses; they need to make some money, and so you got these rogue Italians coming in and being like, "Yeah, yeah, I don't, like, I don't, I don't really care about the cultural pretense of this stuff. I need whiskey." And so you, you know, from that funny kind of moment, you had uh, the thing that I often like to point to is like the Glen Grant Five Year, which is, um, you know, it's an expression that's actually still produced today exclusively in the Italian market. But, you know, Glen Grant five years is basically born of this buying dynamic where, you know, Glen Grant as a business and as a distillery is kind of on the verge of, of shuttering and they're doing horribly. And they were massively rejuvenated by the Italian market um, because these guys came in and, you know, it, I imagine in this, uh, in this uh, conversation, they're like, hey, you got whiskey and guys at Glen Grant are like, I mean, kind of got like stuff that's like. A couple of years old, like you know, not really which, that stuff with which, for the market. It, so I didn't know that part, which is really makes it even more interesting that you were so close at the show to Robin Cooper, who was there for Glenn Grant. <laughs> yeah, yep, like so Alex is a little beautiful poetry. You know, it's real. Well, what I'm seeing now is this like age of whiskey, which you're probably seeing. Your job maybe just getting. I don't, I don't know. You know, easy is a good term, but like. You, you have such a pedigreed brand that you represent and there's more education now around it. There just is. And like, if you're going to pick, you know, there's been a couple of independent bottling houses that have run, well, have managed to do a really good job owning space for independent bottling. So for your reemergence in Samaroli in the United States is, is a big deal. There's still plenty of work, I'm sure, to do, but it's pretty darn cool that that's what you're going out slinging oh definitely yeah i mean i'm i'm spoiled rotten that I, I always admit that much like i just came into the whiskey game and was like all right other people yeah, taking so the bus like, you got a, you got a brand new mercedes that was their whiskey yeah. education they're like hey you're like and here's a mercedes you should go all right cool i like this yeah it's it's kind of the it's the only nice thing in my life really so i, I live and die with this fucker <laughs> there we go i love it now, now tell me but something. It, yeah, hard, it's, like because they got rums as well, right? I mean, it's not just with yes, like correct. Tamaroli was bringing in a good amount of spirit. Uh, and yes, so they you know, 
Yeah, go. Sorry. No, you go. I don't know. So basically, you know, Sam Rowley is the, you know, they're the first non-British, non-Scottish independent bottler of Scotch whiskey. In history, they do that exclusively through like the late 50s, formally become a company in 68. And they do just, you know, they're just messing around with Scotch whiskey until until the late 80s. And at that point, you know, Silvano is traveling to and from uh, the UK quite a bit. And, you know, someone had sort of encouraged him time and again to to try rum. And he was, you know, I suppose somewhat reluctant at first, but eventually they got their way. And he tried it and he had this whole emotional experience. And and so that kind of leads to the, the the second major part of the, the offering and portfolio, which is uh, their rums, which are also gorgeous. And... I'm going into the whole Sam Rowley relationship. Like I was very out of pocket when it comes to Scotch, but I was much more sort of inclined towards rum, which I'm, I suppose was somewhat advantageous just because I had a, a more knowledge base to draw from there. But yeah, the, I mean, the runs are gorgeous. They're uh, depending on the bottling, you know, everything varies because nothing can be easy. And, <laughs> but depend- well, you also, Sometimes I mean, what, like, what was the. What was the first year that he started buying rum? That they started buying rum. So I think the official like first bottling I want to say came out in I want to say it's ninety one, which was the wet, which is the it's like the West Indies nineteen forty eight. I mean, it's sick. It's one of these bottles that you know I don't know if if and when it goes up at auction, it's like. You know, eye-watering prices. Um, well, and, and that's what's happening this. right now with the whole portfolio. I mean, I just watched some auctions that closed this week, and it's like shit. I mean, because when was the first time? I know you kind of mentioned it. I didn't. I, I didn't catch. When was the first time he started buying scotch? Like what? That was the fifties. No, it was. So, from what I understand, through my weird bad historian work that I've done, I, I think he's officially buying his first bottlings in like the late fifties, but he's not, he yeah. had no brand at that point. Right. He's just operating sort of as an importer and he's buying what he's like, he's basically buying stock from Katie had, like they, they referred to as like the dumpy bottle. And so like the yeah. little short stout bottles. Um, and so he's buying the stock from Caden head and he's selling it in the Italian market. And so I suppose he goes through this process several times and then eventually formalized as an identity, um, in, in 68. Now with this, like, how, so, okay, so 2017, obviously the restaurant, then you go to Rome, then, then COVID hit. How long have you been representing in the United States, Samaroli? Because it's pretty newish, right? Yeah, well, so Samaroli itself, had, I think they made their first entry point of the U.S. in like 2013, 2014, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they had a, they had a falling out with that importer because that importer did a lot of shisty things. Sam Rowley is not the only sort of victim of that whole situation, but basically the, you know, the, there was this whole fire sale of whatever inventory remained in the U.S. courtesy of that, of that importer, which created this whole, as you can imagine, this insane, like, market fluctuation. Like, people were, mm-hmm. people still have told me, like, today, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember when I bought, like, you know, a bottle and got one free, which is, I'm always like, God bless, like, well done i wish i was there Um, (laughs) yeah no i I love your opportunity i don't have that (laughs) yes thanks please don't ever tell me about it again um yeah then so that that happens then they're out of the u.s market for a bit and then they came back 
2016. So then I was working with them. I, I think my actual work with them began like beginning of 2018. And so I was doing brand ambassador work for them for, uh, for that period of time. And then uh, at some point in 2019, then I start working for their previous importer and I've worked for them for a year. Then, then COVID happened, they let me go and then that's that. So, and then during COVID, I decided to be spiteful and make my own import business. So that is, that's, that's where we're at now. <laughs> Dude, I love it, bro. I love it. So now obviously, you know, you peddle amazing product and now you get to yep. educate the world and show that. So obviously, you know, with the education comes along, but you, I would imagine there's been some pretty cool experiences you've had in representation. Yeah, big time. Big time. I mean, what are, what are, what are a couple of like, oh shit, I can't freaking believe I'm doing this moment. I mean, a lot of it really. I, but I, you know, as a kid, like I've been really, it's like, I really traveled much throughout the U S so just even the idea of getting to bop around and like travel and just get to speak about this beautiful spirit and like these lunatics in Rome that, that do this really cool shit like that in and of itself, I was like, this is amazing. Go back to, I don't know, what was it, like Wisconsin. Like the first time I was in Wisconsin, I was hyped. I was like, I was never, I've never been to Wisconsin. It's amazing. Um, and, and people, I think people thought I was joking, but I was, I was really like, you know, I was elated by the whole, by the whole. So I'll stop you on that because I'll stop you on that just to make a joke. So, you know, obviously, you know, my real time job is grocery. I work in every state and every country in some capacity. So my first experience never traveling the United States was Menominee, Wisconsin. And I remember yeah. like literally staying in this like not a very nice hotel because that's what the budget, you know, allowed for. And I remember it was really hot and I went for a walk. And dude, I think I walked for like an hour and a half and saw like hardly any I mean, I was in people's like farms. Like I was on the ma- their farm. Yeah. Go like, dude, this is pretty darn sick how peaceful it is this idea compared to like uh, yeah, in LA or New York or Miami or Las Vegas and I was just like dude like these are like these little and and I remember like as the whiskey hunter in me when I would drive around visiting some of these grocery chains I'd be like oh a liquor store near me you know on my phone and I'd pull into these mm-hmm. doors and I'm like I cannot believe the selection of whiskey they have here and they're like yeah no oh, yeah. like it's really high but like you know our average consumer just comes at five o'clock and gets something to numb them the pain at night. So we don't sell those nice bottles. I'm like, well, I'll grab all of that. But I mean, it's a beautiful part of the world. <laughs> oh, big time, big time. And motherfuckers are like, you know, serious about drinking and that. Yeah, very serious. There, you know, there's that sort of, yeah, there's that like Midwestern kind of modesty about them. I mean, they're fucking cool. Um, and it sounds like you were there one liquor the first time in the warm months. Well, I, I've only go there in the warm month. Like I was just in Minneapolis, you know, twice in the last six weeks because it's 95 degrees. I'm not really looking to, because I'll tell you when I didn't go in the warm months and it wasn't the freezing cold, like negative temperature, but I remember renting a car and putting my foot to step and my foot like slid. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know what shoes to wear for this. <laughs> like, like, I'm like walking in this grocery store for a meeting and I'm like on my tiptoes so I don't wipe out. And everyone was just staring at me through the glass window. With the heating on inside, go like, dude, he's not from here. And I'm like, dude, that's why you get inside yeah, safe yeah. and not like falling hit by head. <laughs> so oh, yeah, uh, my my first time there was go back to Smith was was February. Yeah, and I was saying my first yeah, yeah, oh, so I was like, I was like, yeah, 
what is going on? I'm just like immediately like, reference point in my head. It's like, you know, it's snowing, it's cold as shit. And I'm just like, oh, this is like Fargo. Love this. But like <laughs> literally can't, as you sort of described, like there's just, you know, it, or so it seems it's just like this sprawling endlessness, which is very beautiful. But but I remember texting Antonio and I was like, oh, you fucking dog, you sent me to the fucking end, ends of the earth. Like, I, I get why you don't want to go back. Pick on the Scots in any capacity. I, I, no, I just no, think no. anywhere that I, it's God's anywhere that I'm telling you. Go. <laughs> exactly. Anywhere that any. So I'll tell you a great story, actually. I think this has to do with Wisconsin. Um, but hey, so but it's got to have some whiskey because we, we're, we're coming in on like the 15 minute mark and I want to hear where you're drinking oh, amazing time is flying all the risky. Yeah. I was drinking and I was drinking and I was drinking that early and you're like, oh, that's shit. I can't believe I was doing it. <laughs> yeah so i i pulled out some samples yeah this is like i'm a couple days in on the job and i'm already being you know probably a little too free and loose with the samples but to, at at the final tasting i had at this spot i forget where exactly but you know the, there was a guy who joined the tasting at the end of it he said to me you want to see some dead cows and i thought it was like you setting me up on some weird joke and i was like all right man like what's the punchline he was, he was dead fucking serious and his family was like this third generation like butcher and like specialty food store and they had you know they had a farm they did it so basically i went to uh, you know i go back to the store like late at night i have the sample that they i'm drinking some like weird allocated beer i forget it's like spotted cow or something like this that's local over there and i'm walking through a slaughterhouse like drinking sam Rolly with these guys and it was sick you know i was at that point i'm like does this job just keep getting better? So I was all about it. But yeah, I've been, I've so many experiences like that that I just, I'm very grateful for. That's just one I happen to remember because you're talking about Wisconsin. But like, yeah, I got to go to Singapore, Hong Kong, like a bunch of fun oh, shit when I was doing all the brand rep work. Um, just places that, you know, as, as, uh, well, they, they got a lot, they got a lot of old school respect over there. I mean, that's like you're going into like whiskey country, even though not, they don't make any of it there. But the Hong Kong and Singapore's, they're huge huge consumers of you know luxury independent bottle yeah and their understanding yeah, exactly. their education is not from social media like they've grown up with the means to be able to obtain these things so they just that's what they drink you know i remember a couple of guys i'm like so what are you drinking it was like 1978 scotches like it was like like i would drink johnny walker black that's how it is that's what's come sad. what's come what's coming down the pipeline for samaroli anything to be looking out for or just is, is there going to be more bottles hitting the is your portfolio getting bigger like more releases because it seems like yeah so i'm I've momentum starting yeah so I've, I've i've largely sold out of the last allocation i have a few like road things here and there but uh, i'm bringing in the next this this fall don't ask me for a date because i don't know yet but uh, just have it before i see you in new york Kidding. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't put that pressure on, please. <laughs> so the so, so and, and how happy are they with you over there? Like as far as like market penetration and stuff like that. I mean, it's got to be uh, quite exciting for them to kind of you know get the U.S. back up and running. Yeah, you'd think that. I, I don't think it was shit. I think they kind of expected of me at this point. To be honest, <laughs> okay. I, I, could hey, probably, I could probably I could probably be doing better in there. You know. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean. You know, you, you represent amazingly, bro. Like, I'm so excited. Like, you know, you you know how that Vegas trip, I mean, shit. I was like, holy shit. Like, this is, and, and I mean, I you know, obviously the first night, 
you were with, you know, a group of us that might know a little bit more, but not much more than the Saturday night crew. But I mean, you were pumping on Saturday night too. I know there's a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was all, it, it, you know, there's also a lot of people, you know, there were, there were a handful, there were more people than I expected that, that were very familiar with the brand. That's always mm-hmm. delightful. But then, you know, I also relish the opportunity to, to tell people about the brand who don't know anything because you know i very uh like one grievance that i ever sort of have with the scotch whiskey world is this uh it can be a it can seem sort of like a, i don't know like a shitty kind of like old boys club at times yeah in terms of like information and and so i just remember that feeling at the beginning very well um when like i know shit about shit and so i never ever ever in a million years i am uh to oppress people with that information but rather like hey this is this is a fun thing and like trying to be very welcoming with that so that was that that event in vegas was great because i had sort of a mixture of both like people who are delighted to see the brand again or very familiar with it also opportunity to tell folks about it who were coming from you know not zero but not a whole lot of education necessarily well and you know not that i have to help my head sell his event but i think you know when it was announced that you you guys were coming was a big deal and I'll tell you something that's very interesting on a, on a totally different note. You know, those master classes that they do over there really gets to that, you know, for lack of a better word, you said it, that kind of like old boys network, which now has a lot more females in those classes. But like Hardy Cognac, you know, Benedict and I go way back and she did a master class and she did it to that group who was like, oh, we don't drink cognac really that much. And, you know, we drink, and they, they all left that master class after an hour and they were like, oh my God. But like this is amazing. I need to get some. Yeah. So like they're 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 yeah. super crackable. They're just super old school. You know, just take the different approach. Oh yeah, to yeah. Get to that, you I, know, and and, and definitely, I definitely that swagger to kind of handle that. So it's not a big deal. I think that's why you're going to have a lot of fun with it and continue to have fun <laughs> because you, because you can you know it's obvious. You know, I think also coming from the food service business, kind of like I did, we can um we can chameleon ourselves into any situation. You know, mm-hmm. like we can go right in there and, and you know, whatever the vibe yeah. is, we can, we can pull off and adapt accordingly, which is a skill set. I believe that you have to learn from working in restaurants and nightclubs because you don't know what you're dealing with. So you have to bob and weave and it's really good for business later on because you don't have a pedagogy. You, you can just, you know, assimilate as ever you need to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, don't worry. I, I know that like it isn't necessarily the old boys club. I usually have a very no. like, good time with every one of these events, but but I, I think you understand what I was trying to illustrate. Hundred percent. There's like a gravity of whiskey that I think for someone who's coming into it without an intimate degree of knowledge, that can be very intimidating. Uh, oh God, yeah. I mean, so, I was talking um, to someone earlier, you know, from Scotland, and it was like that's the biggest problem, is that you know, yeah, it's amazing to see all these new. Uh, people you know men women whatever coming into the category but even more women than oh, sure. before because there's it's a, an amazing spirit whiskey and yes there's some that are really high alcohol volumes and there's some that are sweet and there's some that are peaty and there's a little bit of something for everybody but you got to take a minute to be like hey what do i like but if normally he wants to ever yeah. give you the hey this is what you know try this then you kind of get stuck and that's not cool. And I think that's all changed now, especially in the last couple of years that like, if you look how big the whiskey selections are at the restaurants, at the bars, like they're there, it's way easier 
you know, if you're standing behind the bar pouring a $60 pour and having to make some really, really convoluted cocktail that could take you six, seven minutes to make, you're like, dude, I'll just take that 70 right now. Thanks very much. And just enjoy that whiskey, sir. Or ma'am, have a good night, you know? And I think that bartenders yeah. in general are more excited now because they're like, dude, before this, I had to like light it on fire, throw it up in the air, 12 shakes, you know, put on like a whole movie. Whereas now like 70 bucks, bro. Thanks very much. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, hey, five three. I I appreciate you taking the time, big man. I can't <laughs> wait to see you in a few weeks. Hang out, see what see what's going on. You want to plug anything on any of your social? Anyone follow you or anything like that? Yeah, give me some juice. Give me some juice. Follow at Spaghetti Western Imports. You know, give me give me a reason to stop being stubborn and start posting some shit. Uh, you got to educate. It's 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 an easy way. <laughs> Well, I appreciate I appreciate everyone listening. I'm just telling you right now, if you do not have a bottle of Samaroli in your bar, you're missing out. Like seriously, and when it comes to independent bottling, it's it's just something very special. And it's liquid, like I told you, you can't microwave it. It's from a lost era, you know, a different era, and it's just it's beautiful whiskey. So, appreciate everybody listening. Hope you got some education. Chris got a couple of good stories. Chris, appreciate you, my friend. And that is a wrap. I talk to everyone soon. Thank you again for listening to the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project.